So who said you, that one extra you? Who else? Anybody else feel? You know, he was like, you, you just really, ah. So it was a terrifying thing. I have to always make sure that my switch is not good for anybody otherwise. So, hey, welcome to Church of the Holy Spirit, downtown, the table. If you've not been with us before, you walked in, you're like, wait, what happened to the rows of chairs? We're very sorry to surprise you with this, but we hope that you love it and that you make some friends, you enjoy this. Um, the very short version of the reason we have you seated this way is that uh, this is how the early church did it. When they would gather together, they would share a meal, like actual food that you could eat and drink. And uh, we're trying to recapture that, that we wouldn't just have something that's presentational that you're just an audience member for, but something that's, that's more that we participate in, that we're able to share in dialogue and conversation around the table as we gather into the Word. And so tonight, we are kind of joining a series that we started at our main campus um, on the Proverbs. And we're going to kind of jump in there and get folks caught up to speed in what we're doing. So some of this might be a little bit of review if you've ever been at our main campus in the last couple of weeks. But stay with us because the word is rich and it always bears kind of multiple kind of hearings. Um, who has, have you ever done anything foolish? Is that ever? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could say, you know, no, I don't think so. How about today? Have you done anything foolish today or to yesterday? The, the book of Proverbs is a book for you. It's basically a bucket of wise sayings. Most of them very short, very self-standing, these little pithy little things they rarely have any context, either before or after them. They just exist in their own right, these little things. But taken together, they are observations about the world in which we live, and they're observations about us. Very often, they'll pit kind of two different options against each other, that if you choose this, this is the likely outcome. But if you choose that, this is the likely outcome. And by and large, it's not that hard to tell which outcome is, is more desirable. And the, the promise of the book of Proverbs is that if we will read them, consider them, roll them around in our minds then they will make us wise, that they'll protect us, that the next time you come to a fork in the road, left or right, what do I do, you'd be better equipped to kind of know what to do. Um, as we'll see as we go on, knowing what to do is not the same as being able to do the right thing. Have you noticed that? So there's more to this than just, it's not just data, it's not just kind of information, but the information is important. Um, if, you, if you read through the first, uh, what is it quick, like eight chapters, eight or nine chapters, over and over and over again, you're going to hear this refrain, and it's essentially of a, of a father speaking to his kid and saying, just, I mean, I'm serious, just listen, okay? Just lean in, because I promise you, this is going to be helpful to you, and if you do that, it's going to go badly. There's a sense of imploring throughout it, and that's, that's probably, they're having fun, aren't they? Don't you love that? Um, my son just got a motorcycle. We went to get his motorcycle driver's license, like, yesterday, and they wouldn't let him get his license because he was riding an antique bike, and they're like, no deal, and I'm like... We're not testing the bike here, people. We're testing the kid. But nevertheless, we're going to go back and try it again. But so it, throughout Proverbs, there's this sense of like, I want you to get it right. I want you to go do, to choose the right thing because if you choose the right thing, it's going to go well for you and it's going to go well for the people around you. As, as we walk through it, there are very often this fork in the road. And essentially, the book of Proverbs is going to personify these. Um, it kind of picks up these two women and uses them as personification for the two driving issues. Do you guys know who do the women represent in Proverbs? There's one of each here. One and another. Do you know who they are? The women of Proverbs are Wisdom. Who said that? Sam, well done. And then who is her, who is her foe, her nemesis? 
folly or foolishness, right? And so we see these women, the women of fo- the woman of, who is wisdom and the woman who is folly, they're not literal, actual people. They're not teaching us as some spiritual being named Sophia, although some have made that claim, but rather that when God ordained the world, he creates a world in which it's possible to be wise, which is to say it's possible in some regard to be like him, for he is wisdom itself. And as we all know too well, it's also very possible to ignore her and to choose foolishness. It's one thing that's really a stunning little detail is if you read through, you get the wisdom, the woman who is wisdom and the woman who is folly. They both are, are pictured as standing at the street and calling to people to say, come follow me. Come do what I, come follow the, the instructions that I give. And what's so fascinating is that each one uses the exact same phrase. Wisdom and folly, they're both making the same claim. They're both making the same promise, but one of them is lying. And as we grow wise, we become better capable of distinguishing. There's two options that are being offered. Which path do I want to take? And the hope is that over time, we more and more and more choose the path of wisdom and less and less and less go down this path of folly. And one of the things that helps us not go down the path of folly is that when we do, it tends to go badly. Right, And what, what these sayings are, there's a collection of those things. So our hope is that as we go through it, you might read them. And then also for the rest of your life, you just might read Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Uh, there's 30 days, 31 days in a month. You could read one a day, one chapter a day, and get all, all sorts of just a little bit. Most of it, honestly, when you read it, it's just going to go right through your brain and you're going to forget it. That happens all the time. But then you read it again. And then you read it again. And then you read it again. And different things might stick for it. And that's what we're hoping we'll do as we go through it. And so we're going to try to give you a bit of an, bit of an overview here. Um, Proverbs is a strange book because there's no flow. There's no plot line. There's no development. Everything is it's like this big bucket of fortune cookie length insights. And there's not much, of a, much cohesion to it. The first eight or nine chapters, there is cohesion. There's, each chapter has more or less a main point. So chapter five is all about sexual immorality. Um, and it's a very sympathetic look at sexual immorality. It's going to make the case that a lips of an adulterous drip honey, which is to say she's a total smoke show. This seems really fun. And do you know why it seems so fun, according to Proverbs? Because it is fun in the beginning, right? But in the end, she's as bitter as gall. That's chapter five. Chapter six is all about the ways that you can ruin yourself financially. So if that's your thing, chapter six, go for it, right? We get all kinds of tips on how to shipwreck your life over money. Chapter eight is the storyline of this woman who is the personification of wisdom. So those first several chapters, there's a bit of an order to it. But once you get to chapter, you know, 10 and following, like all rules are off. And it's just this whole list of things. You might go through and you, you kind of start grabbing different ones. There's not, people have tried to pretend that there's like an organizing principle there isn't. They're just in there, okay? And so you can go through and you can just grab the one that might be meaningful to you to kind of roll around on your head. So in a couple of minutes when we kind of break for this meal together, I want you guys to have a chance to start to share with each other. What are some of the, is there a favorite proverb, something that you learned or you heard growing up or that is stuck with you or that maybe you've learned through bitter experience that it was true and you wish you had obeyed it much earlier? Now, here's some of the ones that have been meaningful to me. Proverbs thirteen twelve. It says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That's so absolutely true. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I think when I first memorized it, it was hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, some different translation, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. This is how I felt when I was engaged to my wife. I did not want to be engaged to my wife. I wanted to be married to my wife, right? And hope deferred, it's just a long wait that you're not, you're committed, but you don't get to enjoy the sweetness of that commitment, and we just wait. But marriage is that long and fulfilled. 
Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a long and fulfilled is the tree of life. Or how about this? Proverbs 13, 20. I can hear this in my wife's voice as she taught this to our children. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise. This is the thing that drew me to come on staff with Campus Crusade, which is what my wife and I did for about 20 years before we came here. And it was my experience of being on staff with crew, of being a student in crew and meeting all these amazing staff at JMU where I went to school and where I wish you guys went to school because it's like the happiest place on earth. But then I went on an international mission trip with Crusade to uh, the Soviet Union when that was a thing. And all the staff that I met there were just these incredible people. And I began to kind of put two and two together that whatever else was going on inside of Campus Crusade, it attracted these men and these women that were the sort of people that I wanted to become like them. He who walks with the wise grows wise. And I wanted to surround myself with these sorts of people and God willing that their life would influence mine, right? The people that you... Um, was there another proverb about, how does it go? Something about, oh, shoot, I shouldn't go out. I shouldn't ad-lib because I forget how it goes. But there are multiple proverbs that are going to say the same thing. There's another one. There's something about uh, bad company corrupts good character. How does that go? Yeah, but this notion is true, right? You've seen this. You've experienced this. The people that you spend time with are the people that you become like, for better or worse. Both of these things are true. Or how about this? This one has explained so many things that I've observed Proverbs 27, 7, it says, He who is full loathes honey, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. To the hungry, even the bitter tastes sweet. That has enormous explanatory power for the decisions that people make. If you've ever seen somebody enter into this destructive relationship, and you're like, what on earth are you thinking? Well, they're not thinking. They're just hungry, Right? And if you're hungry, even the bitter tastes sweet. Draw to your mind, what are, are there a couple of these that have been meaningful to you? And we won't talk about them now, but around the table, I'd love you guys to have a chance to, you can even just flip through and find the ones that might remind you of something and maybe benefit each other, something that's never been lifted off the page for somebody else at your table. You guys might be able to point that out. Proverbs are tricky, though. I will tell you this. As you go through them, the rules of making sense of them can be strange. Here, here's one that is baffling, I think, to a lot of people. It's, Proverbs 18.8, it says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels that go down to a man's inmost parts. Okay, what, he saying? what, what is he saying about gossip right there? It's so great. Oh, my gosh. What is more satisfying than having a conversation with somebody about somebody else that you both hate, right? Is there anything more like, oh, wash over me with happiness? Like, okay, now... Is it telling us, is it advocating that? Is it telling us to do that? It's not, right? The Proverbs, the, sometimes the Proverbs just don't tell you what ought to be. They just tell you what is, right? So you might be able to recognize, you see this, the cho- words of a cho- gossip are like choice morsels. It is. It's so satisfying and fun. But like so many other things that start off really good, oh my gosh, the ruin down the road can be just enormous, right? It says the same thing about sexual immorality. We, we mentioned this. The lips of an adulterous drip honey, but in the end... She's as bitter as gall. And so they're telling us not what ought to be very often, but simply what is. Sometimes it'll be like this. There can be very odd and contradictory. Look at 20, if you have it in your phone or your Bible or whatever you have, look at 26.4. This one is kind of famous in, its, in the puzzlement of it here. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Okay, that's good advice, right? 
Do not answer a fool according to his folly, right? That's why you don't debate people on Facebook. Nothing good is going to come of this. It's simply not going to work. Don't take the bait. It's not going anywhere. More often than not, you'll just get dragged down to their level. So just don't, okay? That's clear. makes sense. Until you get to verse 5, which says, answer a fool according to his folly. Okay, what? Or he will be wise in his own eyes. So what do you do with that? Do not, Debbie, do not answer a fool according to his folly. Oh, also, Debbie, answer a fool according to his folly, okay? I'd love you guys to, is this a contradiction? Is the Bible just like, you know, hopelessly, you know, unreliable because it's just given us contradictory data? What does the author mean by putting, he knows, by the way, he wrote them right next to each other. He knows. Why are these juxtaposed as they are? What does that mean for us? I'd love you guys to kind of try to untangle that a little bit around the table. What does it mean when it says the exact same thing opposite? How does this work, okay? You'll also find the Proverbs are not just telling us what's going on in the world, but also what's going on in me. Because as I said, sometimes you have all the information that you need, but you'll still blow it, right? Here's one that I have blown more times than I wish to admit. Proverbs 15.1. This thing is so spot on true. I know that it's true. And sometimes I just can't resist it. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you noticed this? A harsh word stirs up anger. And yet sometimes that's all I have, right? And sometimes I'm pretty sure how this is going to go and it's going to go badly for me. And yet the harsh word is coming, right? It's not just the information of knowing what to do. It's how do I apply it? What do, what do I do about it? And you might be able to come up with some instance where that's been the case for you, right? Where you just chose to respond sharply and then regretted it bitterly, right? The Proverbs are telling us what this is. It might be that over time, if you choose the wrong, make, choose the wrong fork, that eventually you realize, you know, this keeps getting, there's a proverb like about a, the, you know, the fools, how does it go? The dog returns to his vomit and a all a fool returns to his flight. Eventually, eventually, you might get tired of eating vomit. Maybe, right? And something might get changed. And that's what we're looking for. It's if I read these, if I understand these, if I roll these around in my head, will there be a change in my life? Could I grow wise? Because you're not just wise or foolish, but you're growing in wisdom or you're sinking deeper into folly. We're, we're dynamic. We're moving. We're changing. He who walks with the wise grows wise, and we can grow wise too. They're like hard candy. You just kind of keep them in your mouth. You roll them around. You ponder, what does it mean? What do I do with this? Um, but the first thing you got to do, of course, is load them into your brain, which is why I would just advocate just every, week, every day, read that day's chapter on the, what is today, the 30th? Read Proverbs 30 today. And in a couple days, read Proverbs 2, Proverbs 3, Proverbs 4. But here's what I want to kind of leave you with before you guys, before we go to the table and you guys start your discussions. You could read the Proverbs and you could despair at just your inability. Some of these things you just didn't know or don't believe or have a hard time convincing yourself of. Or it might be that, yeah, I get it, I know it, but I still can't do it, right? And if that's you, flip over to the New Testament. I want you to, I want you to meet somebody in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Paul is reflecting on wisdom and our lack thereof. And he says this. This is 1 Corinthians 1.20. He says, where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, he is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. And listen to this. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Paul asked the question, where is the wise man? Who of us can claim to be wise? Every one of us is drawn into patterns of behaving and reacting that simply do not produce the desired end. And we do it repeatedly. We've done it over and over and over again. But there is a man who came and he lived his life so absolutely differently. He was unlike anyone had ever been. He took the lowest place. He, was, he chose weakness over strength. He was willing to be thought foolish by a world that was incapable of recognizing wisdom. And because he sought the good of others, he himself was tortured to death. It's just so bizarre. But having taken the lowest place and been exalted to the highest place, he has been declared to be wisdom itself. It is paradoxical. It is upside down. It is backward. He changes everything. Because his, the, the foolishness of God really is wiser than man's wisdom, in fact. And when you read Proverbs and despair, what you cannot be, rest in the peace that he became what you cannot be, but need to be. He took your sin and he offers you his righteousness. He took your weakness. He offers you his strength. He took your folly and he offers you his wisdom. There's an impartation, an imputation, a gifting of that which we don't deserve. And wisdom is found in him. And it's because he is at the center of all things. He is the source of wisdom that we are, we're seated at tables tonight. We want to share a meal that commemorates his death and his resurrection and anticipates his coming again, for he is coming again. And in just a minute, Quig's going to come up on stage. He's going to lead us through a very ancient ceremony that you've probably practiced. Many of you perhaps have practiced or perhaps have seen others practice. But we're going to do it a little bit differently. And as much as there's going to be real wine and real, real bread at the table, and the expectation is not that we would share this meal in solemn silence, as we often have done, but rather we might share it in fellowship face-to-face. Not shoulder-to-shoulder, but face-to-face. And so you'll find um, at, at this counter, there's uh, trays. And on those trays are bread and wine. And I will say that the bread here on these tables or on these trays is distinctly for those that have made the decision to place Christ at the center of their lives. And if, if that's not you yet, we are so glad that you're here. His table is a generous table, and we have food for you. But in a way that might seem odd to you, we, this, this, this bread has been set apart. The word we use for that is consecrated. All that means is that it's, it's special and it's distinct. And that is, it's reserved for those that have already made the decision that Jesus is the center of all things, and they want to follow him. If you're on that journey, you're not sure where you're at on that yet, we've got bread for you too. It's just, it's just a little bit different because there's something here that we want to set apart. And we really eagerly look forward to the day that you might share this meal with us in the fullest sense. Until that day, you are always welcome here. We would love you to come to join us in the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and for you to participate with us. We would just ask you to, to not partake of this, this bread that has a special particular significance to us. Does that make sense? So what I'd love to do, as Quig makes his way on stage, if you could just have one person from each table, not yet, 
One person from each table, go to the bar and grab the bread and the wine. And if you would like, if anybody at your table needs the special bread that's not set apart for Christians, just ask them for that. Just let, let, your, let your person here know that, and we'll, we'll make sure there's special bread for you. And? Oh, and there's gluten-free bread, and there's grape juice. We've got it all, whatever you need. If you need gluten-free bread, if you need bread that's not consecrated for Christians, if you need grape juice, it's all right there. Just make sure that your one person you set up knows what to get. You can go get that now, and then Quig, we'd love to have you come and walk us through this.